You're listening to At Any Rate, JP Morgan's global research podcast, where we take a look at the story behind some of the biggest trends and themes in fixed income, currency, and commodities markets today. I'm Srini Ramaswamy, head of U.S. interest rate derivative strategy for JP Morgan. And today I'm joined by my colleague, Epek Ozil, to discuss the treasury futures market and the quarterly roll cycle that's almost upon us today. We are recording this on Monday, August 22nd, and our comments today are based on our recently released publication titled The U.S. Bond Futures Rollover Outlook, which is available to institutional clients of J.P. Morgan on our website, J.P. Morgan Markets. So, EPEC, not all of our listeners may be intimately familiar with the Treasury futures market. Help me set the stage a little bit. What is the Treasury futures market and how big is it? Sure, Shrini. The Treasury futures market allows investors to take long or short exposure to U.S. Treasuries in the form of a futures contract. These contracts are separated by maturity, so there is a contract designed to offer exposure to five-year Treasuries and so on. These are also what we call physically settled contracts. So what that means is that if you keep a long position, you will eventually receive delivery of an actual Treasury bond. Conversely, if you keep a short position without unwinding it, you will eventually need to make delivery. The market itself is huge. The total open interest is about 1.6 trillion US dollars currently, and daily volumes are around 400 to 500 billion. And what is the quarterly role exactly, and why has it become important enough for us to talk about it today? Well, Unlike owning bonds or even maintaining a long duration position and say interest rate swaps, treasury futures contracts have fixed quarterly expiries. So even if the contract gives an investor five or 10 or even 25 year duration exposure, it expires every quarter and must be rolled forward if the risk is to be maintained. If you're along the contract, the way you roll is by selling the front contract and buying the back, which we refer to as selling the calendar spread. So investors will have to look through all their open positions and either buy or sell calendar spreads in each sector. Every calendar spread has a fair value based on various different factors. If an investor is able to roll her position forward at a price close to fair value, then the roll won't create much slippage in overall portfolio performance. But if the position is rolled forward at a disadvantageous price, that just means slippage and a drag in portfolio returns. Ultimately, a roll that is executed at a poor price is paid for by the end investors. So of course, one of these factors is Fed hikes and hiking expectations. Uh, We are of course in the middle of interest rate hikes from the Fed and the cycle has been unprecedented in many ways. We have had over 200 basis points of hikes in less than six months, and we still don't have all that much clarity around the magnitude of hikes at the next few meetings. Fed Chair Powell is, of course, speaking at Jackson Hole later this week, uh, and this could bring new information to the markets. Um, How is all of this playing into your thought process around the calendar spreads? Yes, well, Fed hiking expectations are an important driver of calendar spreads in every sector, and the channel is as follows. Futures prices are first and foremost forward prices, which means they are impacted by carry. Carry in turn is impacted by financing costs, which are directly linked to the Fed funds rate and hiking expectations between now and the delivery month for futures. And this roll cycle comes against the backdrop of a very foggy outlook for near-term Fed policy. 
economic expectations continue to oscillate between a world where inflation retraces rapidly enough to stall the hiking cycle in its tracks, or prolonged hikes are needed to cure persistent inflation. As a result, market expectations for near-term Fed policy continue to fluctuate at high frequency. And this means that forward financing rates or the repo rates have been volatile going into the roll cycle. Over the next 10 days or so, we think repo rates will likely be biased higher, especially if Fed Chair Powell strikes a hawkish tone at Jackson Hole. And a rise in forward repo rates is bearish for calendar spreads, with most of the impact being in the longer term contracts. So what about liquidity and some of the technical pressures that are pretty common in, in terms of impacting the, the calendar spreads? How do you see that playing out this time? Well, an important factor in this role cycle will be the market depth, or rather the lack of it. We continue to be in a lull in markets with liquidity remaining rather poor, in part because of the lack of policy clarity. Also, of course, late August seasonals don't really help much. And poor market liquidity can exacerbate the effect of position imbalances among certain investor types. As we talked about earlier, treasury futures are settled by physical delivery, and many so-called commercial investors will use futures to go long duration, but they will prefer to avoid any risk of delivery. What this means is to play it safe, they must roll ahead of the first notice day, after which there is always a risk of delivery. So they have quite a bit of incentive to roll their positions early. On the other hand, shorts are the ones who decide to deliver and when, and they have a greater ability to wait. So when commercial future accounts are net long by a large enough margin, that tends to put pressure on the calendar spread and force it narrower. And this time, this is a significant factor in almost every sector, except for the two-year note contract and the so-called classic bond contract. And partly because of this reason, we are bearish on calendar spreads in these sectors. So let's talk about the ultra-long bond contract for just a minute, because I want to say a little bit more about the wildcard option, which is worsening some of the technical pressures that you talked about, Ipe. Um, quick review for, for our clients uh, and listeners of this podcast. Uh, the wildcard option is really a quirk uh, because of the design of treasury futures as well as the delivery process. To make a long story short, a so-called basis investor who might be long the deliverable bond and short futures against it, the right hedge ratio between the bond and the futures contract is something that's very different from the delivery ratio or how much has to get delivered into the futures contract. So when this investor decides to make delivery, there is an excess quantity of bonds, we usually call it the tail, that must be sold after you deliver the required amount into the futures contract. So in periods like this, when intraday volatility is really, really high, the tail can end up wagging the dog. Um, so if markets rally a lot late in the day, an investor may elect to make delivery precisely because the tail can be sold at a profit. So it's a little bit of a quirk that comes from that. So right now, all the conditions are ripe for the wildcard option in the ultra-long bond contract to be worth perhaps even more than it was in the last, last quarter. Intraday volatility is really high, carry is really low, and the tail continues to be large. So the wildcard option very much remains in play in the ultra-long bond contract. This just means longs have a really strong incentive to roll early and avoid any risk of delivery. 
but shorts have an equally strong incentive to delay their roles and stay in the contract. So that's the sort of imbalance that has produced very sharp narrowings in calendar spreads in previous quarters, and we should expect pretty much a repeat um, this time. Anyway, Epec, um, is anything else impacting calendar spreads beyond what we have spoken about? And any parting thoughts for our um, investor clients listening to this? Well, Shrini, maybe just one more thing, and that is in the two-year note contract. In this sector, the September and December contracts have different cheapest-to-deliver bonds, which we refer to as CTDs. And the September contract CTD bond appears too cheap relative to the December contract CTD. That mispricing has started to correct itself, and if it continues to do so, the result is bullish for the two-year note futures calendar spread. So to summarize before we leave, we are bearish on calendar spreads in the five-year note, the 10-year note, classic bond, and the ultra-contract sectors. We are bullish on the two-year contract cal calendar spread because of the relative value dynamic that we just spoke about. But all in all, given the poor liquidity conditions, our recommendation is to start rolling positions as early as practical for most investors especially for commercial accounts who are long futures in most of the sectors that we have talked about. This is probably a good place for us to end this episode. Thank you for tuning into this episode and stay tuned for more episodes of At Any Rate, JP Morgan's global research podcast series. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please read the JP Morgan research reports related to its contents for more information, including important disclosures. Copyright 2022 JPMorgan Chase and Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on August 22nd, 2022.